We have so many stories in our lives, but our stories are not always heard. On the Hear My True Story podcast, we tell our own true stories. Before the white car backed, our head teacher had scattered. Looking at him, I could only see his tie that was flying backwards, waving at us, and he disappeared in thin air. I want to share my life story. I want to share my voice with the people because I know that uh, just a small joke I can tell through this, this podcast, it will make someone smile. When you ask me what I fear most in life, I would definitely respond to you and say it's fear itself. We are fighting for togetherness. We are fighting for equal rights. We are fighting to end injustice. You don't have to be a storyteller or writer because, guess what? Life writes the best stories. Hear my true stories. This is your favorite time of the week with your number one, one podcast. Hear my true stories. Yeah, our dear listener, thank you so much for joining us on Hear My True Story podcast. It is me, Otako, your host, and I'm really, really excited to be here this week again. Wow. Guess what? We have a wonderful guest this today. I mean, this week, a very special guest from Egypt, Africa, and it's so, so nice to hear more experiences from people from different parts of the world and different parts of the continent. Yeah, so in today's episode, we shall get to know more about the the artist who we shall talk to, and also we shall get to know more about her personal experiences and knowledge about theater, maybe also knowledge about other creative arts that she does. And also we shall get to know more how can she really do art or do theater in Egypt and what someone needs to know, what's happening, how it was it for her in the times of COVID-19. So in this episode, I would like our dear listeners to stay on and get to know more. Who is our guest? This week's special guest on your, on your favorite, favorite podcast. podcast. Hear my true story. Yes, our dear guest, I'm really happy to have you this week on our podcast, Hear My True Story, and you're welcome. Yes, Otako, I'm very excited to be here, and uh, I'm uh, looking forward to sharing my true story with you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Oh, I'm really happy. By the way, when I contacted you and I asked you to be a guest on my podcast, and you're like, yeah, right, I like that. I was so excited. And because on our podcast, we just create a platform people to tell their own stories, experiences, to share their knowledge with other people who are listening. And today, we are looking forward to hear from you. So before we start, I would, I would like to ask you to maybe introduce yourself so that the listeners get to know you. They get to know who is the person speaking, who's be the person behind the microphone or behind behind the computer. Yes, of course. Well, um, it was really nice when you uh, sent me. It's always nice to uh, share stories and hear stories from other people, of course. Um, I'm Isra uh, Ghazali. I'm an artist from Cairo, Egypt. I work in uh, mainly in theater, uh, mainly in theater for young audiences, uh, children. Uh, but I also work as a... A set designer or art director for in the media, like in TV, on TV, commercial sets and movie sets and things like that. Um, but my main passion is theater and for, theater for children, to be specific. Wow. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. And I'm sure I really like the fact that you, you talked about theater for young audiences. Mm. But then before we go to that, I want to ask you, could you maybe say something about Egypt? Maybe some listeners don't know where Egypt is found, a little bit about Egypt, if you wish. Of course. Well, Egypt is in the north of Africa. It's right on the Mediterranean and the Red Sea. It's like on the corner of Africa. And... Um, 
Egypt is a very, very old civilization. It's like something like, I don't know, some say 3,000 years or 7,000 years. I'm not really sure. Um, but it's old. It's where the ancient Egyptians lived and where we live now. Um, it's a bit hot now here since it's summer. It's usually the hottest weather is in August. So we're a bit, we're melting a bit, honestly, <laughs> with the high temperatures here. Um, it's nice. I mean, I have a lot of complaining to do about Egypt, but I love it anyways. It's my home country. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So um, that's in short. I don't know what else can I say about Egypt, honestly. Yeah. I like the fact that Egypt has a lot of uh, history and the it is a really everywhere. You, when I'm a Christian, so when I read the Bible, I read about Egypt at some point. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah. I, however, the hotness, I think this year it has been so hot everywhere. Yeah. I'm in German right now in Marburg, but it's so hot. You know, we have, it's really hot. I think, I don't know, 36 degrees, sometimes it goes up to 32 or maybe 36, 40 sometimes. So, wow, yeah. And the, the the atmosphere is really warm, you know, how do you call it? The humidity is so like so so high, high yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. It's uh, it's incredible. I mean, it's not the worst summer we've had like in the past couple of years. I think summer was way hotter than this year, but still, I mean, it is still very, very warm and very humid. I think humidity mm. this year is really high, higher than the years before, even though mm. the temperature is not so much. And very, and some days, it's, some days it's very humid, and some days it's just dry heat, and that's mm. even worse. Yeah, the dry heat. That's what I really find difficult most of the times. It can be really so dry, and you can't. It is really so much. But anyway, we have a challenge: global warming, you know, climate change. Something we need to fight. I mean, yes. something we need yes. to do as we humans. Something we need to realize, like a real issue. I mean, especially here in Egypt, there's not much awareness, to be honest. Mm. Uh, so it's in, it's insane what people are still doing, despite all the all the signs that we've been seeing and living of global warming, and still mm. they just choose to ignore it. I don't know. <laughs> Some are not even aware of what global warming is. Yeah, that's the thing. One time, um, recently I was talking to um, to members from my organization in Uganda because I have an organization in Uganda and we are talking about climate change and the point is that even in Uganda there is no awareness about climate change. What they need to do is something that more in the global north you hear a lot about it in politics. You hear people pushing for it. But like my home country, Uganda, it is not among the hot topics to talk about. Yes, yes. No, I, I, yes, that's true. That's true. But I also sometimes think about it a lot. I mean, like for, for example, like here in Egypt, I, because there are far more, um, I don't know, persistent issues for the people that people can relate with like uh, very close issues, like people not affording to buy food, for example. Mm. If I can't afford to buy food, I will not worry about global warming. I'm dying anyways. Mm. So, so I think that's the problem, and that's and also because politics and the system and the media is not really focusing on global warming. They're busy discussing other things, like trying to market for the yeah. government. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. There are yeah. more social problems that people cannot focus on climate problems at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, before we start, I would like to know. Our listeners maybe would like to know what is your story? Why did you end up being an artist? What was that moment that turned you up to becoming an artist? Yeah, uh, well, when I when I first finished high school, I was uh, very interested in studying fine arts. Um, I loved to draw as a child. I was not very good at it, but I really enjoyed it. And I thought, uh, I felt that this was something that I would like to study more. And so I joined the Faculty of Fine Arts where I studied uh, set design. Uh, and then in my, in my second year in uh, college, I uh, found out about the, uh, the theater troupe or the theater group in, uh, that performed for the university. 
And it was uh, like a student activity where all the students who were interested in theater got together and uh, they worked together on performances and they um, got into like a big competition. They compete with other universities and other theater groups. And so um, I, I heard about it, but I never thought that I would actually join and be, and I was too anxious, <laughs> to be honest. I never thought that this was something I could do. But I had a friend who wanted to join, and she was a bit shy to go on her own, so she asked me to join her. And uh, so I told her, okay, I will just come and watch. I will not be auditioning or anything. I'm just going to sit there and uh, watch everyone else. So I walk up with her. They were... They were holding these auditions at the rooftop of, of the dean's building in college. And so we went upstairs. And uh, at the door, they said, if you're not auditioning, you can't come in. Uh, so that was a bit frustrating. And my friend was like, come on, just audition anything, do it for, it for anything. So I just looked at the paper they gave me and they, it said singing. So it's like, that's easy. I'm just going to sing anything. And even if I'm horrible, who cares? So I just walked in. And um, lucky for me, honestly, now when I think about it, singing was the last thing they did uh, during the day. Uh, they started with the acting auditions and then the writing workshops. And then at, they finished the day with singing. So I, I could say and watch the whole thing. Mm. Um, and I stayed the whole day. I saw everyone audition. And then it was the singing time. So I, st- I, I sang my song and it was fine. And then at the end of the day, uh, the director, who was like the the head of the jury judging the auditions, decided that he will not pick uh, people. He will just let everyone who's interested in, and then they will have like um, some kind of like they would have um, exercises or practices where they will see if people are really going to uh, be able to commit or not, and uh, they will take it based on commitment and interest in theater, not based on talent. So. Um, so at the end of the day, the director says, um, uh, whoever is interested in acting, you can stand on this side. And whoever is interested in writing would stand on this side and singing would go here. And I have no idea why <laughs> I got up and stood with the people who were interested in acting. I honestly have no idea. I was just lifted up and I walked in that direction. And all, the whole time I was just saying to myself, what are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you going? Mm. Yeah, and that's it. And that's how it started. I got into theater. We started rehearsing. We performed um, a small play on that rooftop uh, for students of, uh, for our fellow students, our colleagues. And uh, I wrote my first scene ever, and I performed it. And uh, it was uh, it was amazing. Mm. I I couldn't get over it. It was very overwhelming, very emotional. I just fell in love with acting and with theater. So wow. I was like, this is it. This is what I like. Mm. And it was all like a coincidence. Mm. And I've been doing it since then. Yeah. Wow. Since then you became an artist. Really prominent artist. Yes. Wow. This is a really... That's my curse, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wonderful and beautiful story. Imagine you waking yeah. up and just going to, yeah, let me push you and then you end up becoming your career. Yes. Yeah, wow. yeah. That's nice. That's really, really, really interesting story. So uh, to just maybe, you mentioned it already before in the beginning, but maybe you can make it clear for the listeners, where do you focus in your art as a, a person? Which, uh, Well, yeah. Uh, so after I graduated a few years after, I was introduced to a theater festival um, that that's held here in Egypt, in Egypt every year called Hakewi International Arts Festival. And this is an, um, an, uh, an arts festival that's mainly focused for children. It's an international children's arts festival. And uh, they, they first contacted me because they needed an actress who could interpret uh, an English performance uh, live uh, um, from English to Arabic to the, for the children who did not understand English. And they wanted someone who could act and be a part of the performance so as to make it less boring for the kids to have to wait for the subtitles or for the uh, interpretation. Uh, so I went and I met uh, the people, the organizers of the festival. I met the, the company that was performing the, the theater performance that I was going to interpret. 
And then I worked with them and I got to watch the rest of the performances. And I was really amazed and I was very interested in uh, working, in doing something for children. And that was in 2017, I think. And since then, I've been focused on making theater for children. Oh, wow. And, and what is theater for children? Because there's theater for children, yeah? And then there's also theater. Is it also theater? You can say theater for children or theater with children. What is the difference? I don't know. Uh, well, the difference is theater for children is when professional artists create and perform a piece that is meant for children. It's like watching children's films or cartoon or that is made for children to watch. Mm. Theater with children is when you work with the children to perform a play where the children perform themselves or take a part in the process and in the play. Mm. So do you do both of them? Uh, my main focus is making shows for them to watch, but I also work with the children in workshops. Like I, I, sometimes I teach drama workshops for kids, and sometimes we work together during these workshops on creating uh, performances where the kids get to perform and create stuff and build sets and all that. Mm. Uh, but my main focus as a professional artist is making theater for them to watch and attend. Okay, wow. And why did you choose the children? What makes you not to? to uh, well, to I was very interested because I think because when I first saw this festival, I remembered myself as a child, and I thought uh, that this was something that I because okay, a little bit of background story. I was born and raised in Saudi Arabia. I'm originally from Egypt, like my parents are from Egypt, but uh, my father was working in Saudi Arabia the time I was born. <laughs> so I was raised in Saudi Arabia for for many years. I think I moved back to Egypt. We would come to Egypt in summers and all, but we moved permanently back to Egypt when I was in high school. And in Saudi Arabia, there was not much access to arts. There was not much um, interest in arts at the time when we lived there. I mean, now there's they're starting to build like a cultural scene, uh, scene where they get artists and create pieces of art and uh, so on. But back at the day, there was no interest in art whatsoever. Mm. So I was never, um, I, I was never, I've never seen a theater play in my life uh, as a child. Um, all we did was watch movies or cartoons or like uh, mm. Disney films and, and all that. And uh, when I saw Hakawi Festival and what they did uh, and the approach they had for uh, theater for children, it felt that that this was something nice and interesting. And I think theater is very important for uh, for children. It's a part of your uh, it's a part of a child's life to be exposed to art, and mm. um, I think it's important. It helps them. Uh, it helps with the imagination, the creativity. They get to. Um, think uh, what it's the same for grown-ups i mean but having something that is focused that is made for children um that also adults will enjoy by the way it's not like because i've watched the performances and i really enjoyed them as an adult and they mm. were amazing to me and even some of the performances i thought how is this for kids i mean I, i'm not sure if kids will understand this and then when we get outside after the performance and I start to talk with some of the children who attended or I hear them talking to each other, they get everything. They get it and they're super interested and they have this and they, they even sometimes understand it a completely different way as to what I got from the piece. Uh, so that was very interesting for me. And I thought that I really want to do that. I want to start uh, working on theater for children because I think th this mm. is the future of any society. I mean, if if there's anything wrong with any society, mm. you cannot really change the grown-ups. Yeah, that's <laughs> cannot the thing. Really, um, it's not easy to um, spread awareness among mm. the grown-ups. Mm -hmm. However, it's very easy with the children. Mm. And that being said, I'm not also a fan of uh, work or theater work that that is more of like a, a lesson and has a... A, an obvious moral of the story or that mm. enforces certain ideas or, or, or certain values in the children. Mm. I like more the work that uh, raises questions, mm. like something that will raise a question and make the children question things. Mm. And I think that's how people learn. And that's, 
that's what's interesting is to not tell them what's right and what's wrong. No, just raise the question and have them decide for themselves what they choose. Yeah, I get that. So yeah. uh, just to ask something, yeah, maybe because you just mentioned something with children, theater or theater with, for children. How is it in, in Egypt? What is the... How is the industry for theater for children? How is it? Is it so big? Is it that many people are doing it? Or is it a few artists? I mean, it's not very small. There are a few artists doing it. But um, honestly, and I'm being a bit judgmental here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm. But most of the artists here that do work for children, they do it. And this is my problem with most of the theater. I mean, not just for children and theater in, in general in Egypt is they do it very old school. And mm. um, and it's the same thing we've been doing for ages. And I don't think this works with the new generations and doesn't work anymore because life has become so fast paced and it's so different. And the children know way more than we think. Mm. And, That's my problem because in general, I think whenever everyone's thinking about making a theater play for kids, the first thing they think is like, okay, we'll get some puppets. We'll have a, like an ancient story that the kids already know and we'll just perform it for them with like uh, cute voices and we talk down to the kids and that's fine. Mm. Um, and I mean, while this is okay, if you do it, it's fine if, you, if that's what you like. But for me, it's not what I like. I like more something that is experimental, like I said, something that raises questions, uh, something that is interesting, something that's modern, that, uh, that copes with the life that we're living and that doesn't look down on children and think of children as they know less because mm. you never know, you can never assume mm. what the child knows or what the child will understand. They always know more than you think. Yeah. So what you mean that um, you mentioned about experimental theater, something is experimental. Do you also fuse experimental theater with theater for children? Yes, definitely. Yes, definitely. To me, the process of creating theater for children is, is, is something where I will be enjoying myself and exploring and playing. So I put myself in a state where I'm just exploring things and I'm playing with it. And I'll try to turn this play and exploration and enjoyment into a performance where the children get to watch it and enjoy it as well. So it's mm. about, th that's what I mean by experimental. And because it's experimental, I'm experiencing things. I'm trying and experimenting with materials, different materials, mm. different objects, different concepts. Mm. Um, like um, the play I'm working on now mm. is a story about a, a donkey. And uh, the reason why it's a story about the donkey is that uh, I was, as kids, we always called each other's uh, donkeys here in Egypt. We use it, mm. Homar. We call each other Homar, and that's supposed to mean you, like you're stupid, you're dumb, you don't understand. And that was very common. So people always think of a donkey when the first thing you say is like a, this preconceived idea that donkeys are stupid and... Uh, the stupid animals they don't understand anything and they're stubborn and people have this misconcept about donkeys so i decided to create a performance about a donkey mm. and um because i've read a bit about donkeys and i've heard stories from different cultures about donkeys and they're incredibly smart they're the exact opposite of what people think of them So I decided to work on this concept. So I put this as a concept and I'm starting to play around with different materials to use to tell a story of a donkey who's not so stupid, who's actually very smart, maybe a bit stubborn at some points, but to try to understand more about this animal. And uh, because also there's a lot, a lot of um, animal cruelty happening here in Egypt. Mm. And... Uh, also from children, like you would see children on the street uh, being aggressive with animals like cats and dogs and donkeys and horses. So I think it's important to just put it out there as a question. Why do we think donkeys are stupid? Where does that come from? Mm. And just have them question and ask themselves. And if one child just walks out and sees a donkey and thinks to themselves, what if this donkey was smart? What if, how does this donkey feel? And that would be enough for me. And that would be really nice to have put that idea somewhere out there for someone to think of. Yeah, I get that. So I, I find that you, 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 you make a character that children can really 
relate with and also think about what the actions that humans do. So maybe a donkey, people thinking that children are that, that they don't understand and everything should be done for them. I mean, for me, I talk from my experience as a, a child who grew up from Uganda in East Africa. Children were seen as just children. You don't question, you don't have to say anything. You have to follow what the adults do, what the adults say you to do. So I find I can really relate with this that when the children are not given this right to decide what to do. Yes, exactly. exactly. And it's the same here. Mm. And it's the same here. And this is what needs to change. It's, mm. uh, it's just not right. And, mm. uh, um, and I think, and this is part of my work as well, but this is more focused on the adults, mm. uh, on getting them to understand that children are not your property and they're not meant to just listen to you. Mm. And uh, they deserve and they... Um, and they they should get respect and be respected as individuals they're not just objects that we're shaping into whatever people we want them to be so mm. this is it's a lot of work honestly but it's interesting it's really nice and it's always mm. interesting because children teach you a lot when you work yeah. with kids they teach you a lot enjoying this episode leave a review now hear my true stories Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, I can just share with you my personal experience. You know, I, I work in a kindergarten right now. I'm doing a training to be an educator in kindergarten. Yeah, or maybe work in the uh, youth groups or work in open groups for young people and children. But now I work with children from three to six years. And guess what? Because I'm learning the language, I tend to learn a lot with the children. Because when I talk with them, I'm talking with them as they understand me because they are humans i'm a human so we speak at the same level yeah we interact at the same level so with this training i also get to learn so much that wow i didn't experience these opportunities of being taken as a human but now i'm working with children and i learn so much from them they teach a lot and they know so much that we can't get when we don't give them the here to listen to them. Yes, yes, that's exactly true. And I also, um, in the past year, I was also taking this masterclass with a theater company from the UK. It was like an online masterclass. Uh, and the masterclass was about creating theater for uh, children with learning difficulties. And the main focus was uh, children on the autistic spectrum. And it's a big issue here because there's a lot of, um, uh, what do you call it? Mm, discrimination? Uh, no, there's not discrimination. There's uh, people like, for example, I don't know the word for it. So I'm just going to give an example. Like some parents who have children who, uh, who are on the autistic spectrum would deny it instead of um, realizing it and dealing with it uh, in the best way for the child, they start to deny it and say, no, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing happening with my child. And they t- try to deal with them and uh, try to uh, treat them uh, like how they would treat any other kid. And it just doesn't work because they have different needs and they need different things. And the, ch- the parents just to- choose to ignore it. And some parents who acknowledge it and know uh, what's happening, they would sometimes hide their children from other people. Mm. And uh, so there's a lot of like stigma going around it. Mm. Uh, so it was very interesting working, uh, w- uh, working or taking this masterclass because we got to work with a big group of uh, uh, autistic children. Mm. And it was very interesting because at first, I I was a bit um, I was really nervous because I didn't know if I uh, what to expect or what what could happen or what could go wrong or if I would do something that's not right or uh, how would I be able to deal with them and then when we started and we started to learn more and the the things we were taught in the master class when you come to think of it is in it should apply to all children actually. And it's, mm. it was the main thing was creating a safe space for these kids to express themselves. And wow. so I think this is a right for all children. They deserve a safe space to express themselves. Yeah. They deserve to not be discriminated against or 
that being said, like not just is indiscriminated as the what we first think of the word discrimination, but for example, in schools where they create like competitive environment for the kids. So one kid would be like the good kid who listens to the teacher, who does all the homework. That's the good kid. And the other kids, they're not so good. So this uh, this place is like this expectation on the children. Mm. Some kids are just not good at school. Mm. <laughs> that doesn't make them any less. Mm. So Yeah, and all those things. And so when we worked with these uh, children, uh, they taught us also a lot because the rule was that we just explore with them. Mm. We're not trying to teach them anything. We're not trying to give them anything like information or tasks or activities. We're just there in the space, exploring the space with them. Mm. So that was very interesting because you got to see, you got to actually be there in the moment, be there with these uh, kids and you got to see them, got to know them. They got to see you and got to know you. So it was a very interesting experience. And I think it it's very applicable in every situation with all different kids with with mm. from every background and with from ev- like from every family and whatever type of uh, difficulty they they struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. So is your theater for children or theater with children uh, inclusive? I, yes, I, that's my, my main uh, focus. I really try to uh, focus on making it uh, all inclusive. It's uh, it's honestly a big process. I'm uh, I there's like uh, so many factors that you have to consider and put in, and then if some because some things are not uh, good for everyone, so you have to uh, state what's happening in the show and what could possibly be a trigger for some children. Like if this if this show is about sound and the sound is too loud. Maybe some children will not enjoy the sound, so they don't get. So it's better if they don't see this show. And some, but I try to make it so is so that it's good for everyone. Everyone can see it. Everyone can attend. Everyone will enjoy it. There will not be any triggers of any kind. But it's still. I mean, I'm still a work in progress, and I'm still learning. So I still have a lot to learn. Mm. So I I wouldn't say a hundred percent all inclusive. That's my goal, and that's what I hope that I could create someday. Mm. Um, theater performances that are all inclusive for all kids. Yeah, wow. It's really nice to hear it from a director yourself and um, a, a writer to think that way that, yeah, I need to be inclusive and I'm trying working hard to making my art so inclusive for other, for everyone to be really able to enjoy my product or my work. That's really, really wonderful. I know you have a lot of to share, a lot of things to share, but I wanted to move on to the other question that I want to ask you. Um, yeah. Are you a full-time artist? Um, I try, yes, mm. but I uh, I have to make a living, so <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I do other things too, like other separate jobs just to make money. But uh, my main focus is being a full-time artist. Hopefully, one day. And that, and that being said, I I would do any type of art. Like now, I've just recently started painting as well, uh, because I studied design and I used to paint back in school. Um, so I'm just exploring all things art. So yeah, I think I could say I'm a full time artist. I hope to be. You hope to be. And what what makes someone not be a full time artist? Maybe in the context of Egypt. Money. Art doesn't make money here. Mm. Uh, is there uh, like a, a, social, a social support, maybe let me say uh, artistic support funding that comes in to support uh, freelancer artists or maybe independent artists? Uh, very few, honestly, with uh, very little money and so many people applying that it's not even an option. Mm. Uh, and recently also, um, I've just learned that some, uh, like a lot of the donors, they're starting to shift their focus onto other things apart from art like uh, things like uh, social development and uh, developmental programs and things like that so uh, there's even less funding now so, so you it's mean, a bit difficult yeah you can't really count on it to make a living so because there's a less funding in art and culture that is now moving away and how is the state the egypt state is it also supporting or everything has to come from donors from outside the egypt Yes, mostly, yes. There's a very few uh, 
grants coming from from like uh, Egypt from the government itself, uh, but most of it is from outside donors who are now, like I said, shifting their focus away from arts and culture. Yeah, I get that. I mean, yeah. that's that's the challenge. I think it may be the challenge to most of African countries that uh, uh, governments don't support art and culture, yet art and culture is the one that preserves our... Want it without, there's no social development without art. You get that? You are talking about working with children, informing them, for them to know what's their right, for them to know what decision they can do by themselves, what, what they can decide. And all this is done through education. And art is another form where you can use people to learn, to experience, to, you know, to have stories heard and told. So I think they need, they need to revise this. I don't know. It's something that we can't do as we artists. Yes. I hope, I hope they, they realize this before it's too late. And I, I, that's my struggle and that's my fight. I'm always trying to find a way to make a living through art. It's very, it's not easy and it's, it's not working until now, but I'm hoping that someday I will find a way to make it happen because it just because for me it's very frustrating to only depend on donors and support because it's not sustainable. It's not something that works every time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm. Donors are good, but donors also have strings attached with art, and they may push your art to be driven to their side of the story, which sometimes can be difficult. Also, it's not you are not really full at knowing that yeah, the money is there or it's not there. Because you have to apply every year, you have to try again. It's luck, yeah. Exactly. And art is about personal experiences and your personal ideas and your creativity. So that's also another restriction when it comes to donors. Like you said, they always have strings attached with them. They, there's always some type of agenda and some type of direction that they want you to move in. So if you want to get this funding or support, you will have to work on their version of the project, on their direction, not what you actually want to do. And then it also makes you always trying to selling your ideas, to sell your ideas. So I have to polish everything and I have to make sure that it's suitable so they would like it and and give me the funding. It's Mm. really exhausting for me. And I feel like this is something that would exhaust any artist to always be polishing and trying to get your idea to be accepted by the donors. Mm. So yeah, I have an experience. Right? Like for me, I'm I can share it. Maybe also the listeners will get to know, maybe to know more about it. Uh, because in Uganda, I do also have an organization that uses art, and we it's really not a big organization. It's a small organization with young artists, young people who are really trying hard to survive with art, but also to use art to tell their own stories. But the challenge is that funding are given to big organizations that are already known by either by someone in the state or maybe there are organizations that are owned by someone who is coming from the global north who has like networks already in the global north. That's how fundings are given. I mean, they, they are not really given with the small organizations that are doing work with people in art rarely get these fundings. If they get, it's by luck. I don't know how is it like for you here, I mean, in Egypt, is it really free and it's fair? Almost it's almost the same. And the, the other thing is, even if you do get the funding, so you get it once, and then if even if you have a very good idea the next time there's funding, they would choose someone else just because... And, and I think that's fair because they need to give other people the chance as well. But it's, like I said, this is not a sustainable format to create art and sustain yourself with art. Uh, because for an artist to grow and develop and create more uh, more art and uh, more advanced art is to keep working and keep trying and work on many different projects. So you need continuous funding or sustainability when it comes to finances and money. Uh, but at the same time, if I'm a donor and I give you the grant this year, the next year I would prefer to have someone else, give someone else the chance. Yeah, I understand. As an artist, it's the other way. I I need to keep working on mm. different other projects to be con- to continue to work, and that's what happens with in a lot of cases. Is there are a lot of artists that start, 
make a really big good project and that's it and they just fade away because they don't get any more funding mm. but um is it free and fair that someone can win the funding or is it like like you need to know someone within some from from some powerful offices or powerful decision makers it is the same in Uganda you need someone from in the powerful position to to recommend you to get this funding or you need to be someone who's known by the donor yeah, themselves yeah. well sometimes uh, honestly sometimes yes this is the case actually most of the time this is the case here as well but it also depends i mean if it's a really good project and that's what i mean you have to really sell the project if it's a really good project really well presented uh you might get the funding uh, even if you don't know someone or if you don't have anyone but if there is someone that dis- that has the vitamin b with them they would get it definitely mm. it would work in their favor so yeah i mean corruption is everywhere and here in egypt there's a lot of that <laughs> yeah yeah in uganda in uganda i talk on the side of uganda because i do there a lot there's a lot of corruption not just in the government but in the donation business donors are work with corrupt officials in Uganda and getting a funding it's a lot of corruption that's why most of the times i when i see people winning because like in Uganda perspective most people who win this art funding are either white people who are coming from Europe or either they are they have corrupt people in the government that can really push for them to get that funding either in art or in health it is just the same story there's a lot of corruption Yes and here's the same it's the mm. same and and the, the funny thing is the, those people getting the funding uh because they have good connections are people that don't need funding whatsoever and yeah. they get a lot of money in funding like a lot it's insane yeah it's really so insane it's, yeah. it's just you... frustrating because they don't even need it so mm. it's like okay that's fine we'll just starve here <laughs> yeah but anyway to move on i want to ask you how was it for you in Egypt during corona you know there's still corona with these lockdowns no theater theater is closed no performing how did you manage in these hard times uh yeah well i i i got myself a job i stopped doing uh, theater because everything was closed there was nothing there was nothing to do honestly uh i mean uh, like i told you before but maybe again for the people um I it, during the first year of covid the 2020 I uh, I was lucky enough because I got a chance to perform to work on one of my uh, pieces and uh, we had very limited resources so I I was rehearsing in my in my inside my house in my living room and uh, and we uh, I worked together with a friend of mine who was also who's also an artist who works in theater but uh, was out of work and um, the place where she, she worked in a theater company actually that uh, that made theater for children and uh, the company was closed uh, because of uh, covid and this company was i think 10 or 11 years old and until now they're not back uh, to working they mm. completely shut down so uh, so she had lost her job she had uh, nothing else to do so i asked her if she could help me and i and in in return because i didn't have any money to pay her so i told her that whatever money would that would come from this project we would uh, split it later on so we started working together and we uh, we would meet in my house and we would uh, rehearse in my living room and then i uh, we went around uh, in different actually cities around egypt and we performed this play we performed outdoors indoors with very limited uh, number of audience because of covid and it was still fresh and there were still many restrictions but we were lucky that we got away with this one project and then after that it was very slow there was mm. nothing we could do everything was shut down uh, nothing was working so um, so i had to get a job i started working online for a uh, um, for an interpretation company and i was interpreting over the phone i spent a whole year doing that and it was very time consuming very energy consuming i wouldn't i wasn't able to work on anything that i wanted i wasn't able to work on any projects i wasn't able to think about art whatsoever um mm. so eventually i decided that i will quit this job because i can't do it 
And uh, until now, it's uh, it's very unstable for me, honestly. Like I've been broke for a very long time now. I have no money whatsoever. And recently, thankfully, I have now a theater project that I'm working on that I'm hoping, hoping would make some money at least. Mm. So um, just to ask another thing, um, what are some of your successful projects that you have done as an artist? Uh, I'm sorry, This the can you say that again? I mean, um, I was asking, what are some of your successful projects that you have done as an artist? Uh, yeah, well, um, my successful project, I would say, honestly, I'm still, like, for theater with children, mm-hmm. for, for children, um, I, I mean, I'm still working on it, this project, but it was the show that I performed for the kids in 2020. Uh, I really enjoyed that, and I think it, uh, the children liked it too, but it was still a work in progress. So I'm still working on it, and I hope that uh, it works out yeah. this time, and I can call it my most successful project. Yeah, okay. But already you've done more other projects, like you've been part of some good, wonderful projects in Egypt that you already mentioned to me some time back. Uh, yes, I worked on so many different projects since uh, since I joined uh, the the theater uh, theater group in college. Mm. We actually created some very interesting shows. The time when we first when I first joined the theater group, it was the first year after the revolution happened here in Egypt. It was in 2012, mm. and uh, we created a very interesting piece. And I. Uh, and when I when I think about it today, it's still wonderful, and it amazes me mm. how we put those things together and how we came up with that performance. Because it was everyone wrote a part of it, wrote a piece of it, put their heart into it, expressed themselves, and then it all came together very beautifully. So it was a very nice collective work, mm. and uh, everyone got to share and tell part of their story and their struggle during that time. Mm. Uh, so it was a very interesting project, um, mm. and uh, and and the year after that, we also did another amazing project. Like I've done so many great projects, honestly, that I'm very thankful for. And also in 2019, where I met you, that was also one of the greatest projects that I've been a part of, which was the Spice Road project. Mm. Um, and that was uh, the, the collaboration project. Mm. Um, that was that gathered artists from different parts of the world and we started to work together also collectively everyone sharing their story and until today i'm very 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 angry if i have to say that this project didn't work out till the end yeah and was interrupted by covid and until today it's yeah i, I keep thinking about it and uh and I hope, I really hope that one day we get back to working on this project and we focus on it for a bit. Mm. But yeah, it's yeah. very difficult though. Yeah, definitely. In honest part of the conversation, we shall go deep into collaborations and we get to know more about this project that Isra yeah. is talking about. Yeah. So anyway, I wanted to, before because of time, I look at my time here and I think I just need to to ask you the last question. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Um, what would you advise someone who wants to be an artist in in Egypt? Um, just do it. Just do what you love. Uh, but uh, always uh, uh, start by thinking of ways to sustain yourself as a person uh, because art doesn't necessarily pay. If you can find a way to make a living through art, that's amazing. That's great. Uh, but otherwise, I think it's um, it's always good to find a way to sustain yourself besides doing your art. So if you can find, if you can start a small business, if you can get a, a part-time job or something that you can do on the side that will get you money, will sustain your life while you work while you work on your art. Uh, I think that's the most important thing because art needs you to be focused and passionate and um, really into it you can't be constantly worried about how you will survive because that will just weigh you down and will not let you really express yourself as an artist mm. yeah and that brings uh, it just came up now because I put it somewhere 
How do you make it as a female artist in Egypt? How is it like? If you are free to share or not to share about it. Yeah, um well, it's definitely a bit of a struggle being female in general, not just artist, uh but add to that uh, artist as well. Um It's always a struggle because it feels like you're always trying to prove yourself extra just because you're female but um but so far it's I mean it's working out fine. I just don't let it get to me. I I completely ignore it and uh, I think it's how you see yourself that matters and if you think that it doesn't make a difference what you are um and you just focus on your work and just ignore whatever everyone says or does. I think sometimes uh most of the time people just because you don't feel it yourself and you don't let them get to you through it um you don't face the problem sometimes some people are just like that and they just want to cause the problem and just want to discriminate against women uh but these people you just have to face them and just you know stand up uh, to them but otherwise it's I think it's it's fine. It's a fight, of course, because I don't know any other way, honestly. I don't know what it's like for male artists. Um but uh, for me it's a, it's it's part of the fight. So it's fine, I guess. I I respect you, my friend, for what you do as an artist, regardless of what what the society thinks about about which gender does what and what and what not. Thank you my friend. Yeah, I I respect you my friend for that. Do you have anything you would like to share with the audience in this particular part of the conversation before we close it up? Um no, I would just like to thank them for uh, tuning in with us and for listening uh, to my story so far and I hope they enjoy it. Yeah, how dear listeners, we cannot continue beyond now and for that reason I'd like to say join us in the next episode of this same conversation I'd like to say bye for now We not only have voices for a podcast but also faces for YouTube Don't miss your next episode Hear my true story Thank you for listening to our podcast Music by Edwin Matovo hosted and produced by Otako. Subscribe to our podcast for more stories and visit us on our website yemaitruestory.com for more stories. All the links are listed in the show notes of this podcast.